0: Welcome back to the People Data for Good podcast. I'm Al Adamson, and I had the joy to speak with Tony Ferraris today about his journey in people analytics. From growing up in Los Angeles, to going to undergrad and grad school to investigate how we function as human beings and interact with one another. And in turn, he either contributed or led people analytics teams in media companies, tech companies, retail companies, and now he is leading people analytics at Pinterest. I enjoyed this discussion. I was inspired. I learned a lot. And I sense that you will as well. So thanks for being here today and enjoy. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with my longtime friend and colleague,
1: Tony Ferreris. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's it's always an honor to, to talk to you. Definitely an honor to, to be on here. Thanks for having me. Hey, we've been
0: talking about doing this for a while. We've known each other for a number of years, and I'm really excited to have this discussion with you because you've been committed to the space for many years. You've innovated. You've gone through the struggles. So for those who might not uh, know of you, can you introduce yourself and a little bit about your background?
1: Yeah. So uh, Tony Ferreris, Um I work at Pinterest currently. I've also worked at uh, Nordstrom, Lululemon, Symantec, DirecTV. Uh, but to your point, always in this space, or at least 90% of my career in this space, um, did graduate school in psychology, like a lot of us in, in this field, um, and still at it, having fun, lots of fun.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that I, has always struck me about you is that you've been a consummate learner. And yes, you have your credentials and you have your sets of experiences, but your openness to create and consider new ideas has always been inspiring to me. So we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about your background, talk about what you're doing now, your hopes and concerns and vision for the future. But before we get started, really curious about your background and how you got into the field. So if you would, you know, we started at the beginning, you know, where did you grow up? You know, what educational background do you have?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I've, all, I, I always get that, that question and I always provide the short, boring answer to that question, which I'll get to, but I think this is, this is a really good, good opportunity to, for the first time, talk about like really what, what happened and what led to that, short boring um answer i think you know i've always been it started with i've always been interested in psychology and sociology and and those sorts of things um super interesting topic just to understand other people but the way that i got there you know um for me i was i was this little junior psychologist around when i was 12 to 14 something like that like a lot of us you know growing when we choose this field you know we see ourselves as know, that psychologist friend or something like that. Yeah, I was definitely that um, uh, very young. Uh, But what led me to that, I basically created my own like self-help book. Not really. There's nothing that that exists. But I did a lot of research around that age. And the reason for that is when I was growing up, um, I was a very conscientious person. Um, And I learned that from my, especially my mom who always taught me to be helpful uh think of others uh be reliable you know all those components that make you a good kind of like citizen a good uh, individual or member of of a group but i think my problem was at that beginning what led to eventually this almost need to start creating like a a self-help book for myself at 12 13 14 um is that I think I incorrectly translated that to always defer to the group, always mm-hmm. defer to others. And so, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, I think that that challenge that I had led me to be a very not confident person. Um, I was, I never really took initiative, um, I didn't speak up when. You know something was going in a different direction or somebody was making a decision that would go against my own principles or my own thoughts and that didn't feel good to me mm-hmm. right so i was always deferring and that last part that where you know i thought that deferring to others was the right thing to do um and that's certainly a big part of like my background my culture being latino um it didn't feel right to me. And so I wondered about that. That was around like 12, 13, 14. And at that time, and I'm going to age myself a little bit here. (laughs) um, That's when computers and the internet started becoming a little bit more attainable for, for, you know, the, the country, the the U S for its, uh, for the consumer. And so I saved up. And I bought myself a computer. Of course, my parents helped me with, um, because they were still very expensive back then, um, helped me with kind of the rest of the cost. But as soon as I got on the internet, I just started searching things. Like, why do I feel this way? Um, Why do I not want to like go with what the group is saying, even though I was taught to be reliable, to be loyal and all those sorts of things, even though I incorrectly, I think, translated that to deference more than anything. And back then, we didn't have the Google algorithms. There wasn't a whole lot of content. So searching was really difficult, but I found a lot of stuff around like psychology and sociology, you know, things like internal versus external locus of control, uh, going back to, um, you know, the concept of like not feeling good when you're doing something because the group is is doing it. it, even though it goes against your own principles. That's called cognitive dissonance, all those sorts of things. So I would look those things up. A lot of stuff um, was really interested in the concept of how a group, the group kind of governs or, or influences individual behavior, how the environment influences individual p- behavior, pressure, that sort of thing. Um, like one of my favorite, favorite uh, experiments that have been done super interested, uh, was interested in it was the Stanford Prison Experiment. Um, Super famous. I don't think I need to explain so much about that, but um, um all those things kind of came together for me and just knowing what is happening helped me become much more of a confident person, make my own decisions, take initiative and that sort of stuff. Um so um fast forward, I um went to grad school. I went to school, I went to grad school for psychology, sociology, I got two master's degrees. Um, And by the end of um, my second master's, I didn't want to stop. I really liked the research part. And that's just going back to like my uh, younger days, the the 12 12 years old when I was doing research on psychology. I really loved the topic of psychology and sociology. But what I really loved more was the research, the experiments, uh, the statistics, the data, all that stuff that made it um, a science. And so... Um, after grad school, I just wanted to keep doing those activities. Hmm. And at the time, and you probably recall this, is people analytics wasn't really a thing. Um, I mean, Google started talking a little bit about it. You were, I think you were at Gap. Um, yeah. um, I don't even think data science was a term back then, honestly. Uh, I agree.
0: I, I It wasn't used uh, widely if it was.
1: No, But I found these jobs that were at least close enough. They did, you know, I was able to do some of those things like um, data analytics, find the truths behind things, how to help people and workers and things like that uh, be more successful. And I just followed that path. It was just, and I still love it. It's been a long time, but I'm still passionate about it. That's how I became managers because back then there were no managers in people analytics. So somebody said, do you want to be a manager? I said, yeah. I'll do it, and there you go. And you've been doing it for a
0: long time since. So, before we get into your work experience, I want to stay uh, with you when you were younger because I'd like to understand you know this better. uh, As I, on behalf of our listeners, I'm really curious because where did you grow up you mentioned you are latino and you know that had to and being half latino myself you know i know the power of la familia la raza and you know how you know the community is such an important part of how we think let alone you know act so my pointed question is you know what Inspirations or cautions or yeah, ideas emerged from your
1: family and your cultural background. I I appreciate that question. I mean, it's one of those things that I've really been wanting to talk about, but rarely get the opportunity to to talk uh, through that. Um, yeah, my my parents were um, were immigrated to to the United States from from Chile. Um, I was born in in Southern California, um, and I lived in a lower socioeconomic area. Um, And so it was really, really tough uh, for us. Uh, For me, I mean, I grew up in it and I didn't know any better. But what I did know or thought I knew was everybody had like a path and it was based on like what everybody else is doing in the area. And I was mentioning, you know, the concept of the group pressure or just like the influence that the, that the group have all my friends and, and, you know, acquaintance, acquaintances, um, were doing their thing. They were going their own paths. And, um, you know, that, that, all those paths were admirable, you know, uh, to contribute to, to society, all those things. Um, but I always felt like there was a little bit more, um, that, that I could do and, uh, you know, that's where I started doing like my own kind of research and and things like that. What's, what I think is important though, is I wouldn't have been able to do it with, without that support. So when you think about, you know, la familia, um, the, the group, the culture, um, those around you, those who believe in you, um, you know those who can do things for you um we all helped each other, whether it's through money or just kind of like a push or anything like that and you know the important thing is that the way that I thought I translated how I should be as part of the group was wrong um deferring to the group isn't it isn't is isn't exactly what um the culture stands for. it's more really about like how do we help each other and um, that's how I ended up getting to the place that I really wanted to be, um, you know, it, whether that's that school or being part of this corporate America, um, helping employees, you know, all that stuff. Um, regardless of that, I got to it because, you know, I, I shared my my dream of doing something more and um, being vulnerable enough. To talk about that and to ask for help, mm-hmm. um, you know, can be tough. But once you get to that point, um, at least within, you know, that, that culture, those groups and, and things like that, everybody did more to help. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody helped push. Everybody kept me accountable to have you studied today, Tony? Have you done this? Have you done that? I mean, and that's so important. That's really so important. I mean, we're we're humans. we need others. Um, others help us. Um, and I think, you know, the way that that looks in different cultures is obviously different. Um that was just the experience that I have growing up um, in wow. my in Southern California.
0: Well, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. and and thank you for sharing. And I can imagine that you were going to a place where, you yourself did not have clarity on what it looks like, and your family certainly did not, not having grown up here and, and had those sets of experiences. There had to be a lot of trust and faith that you were going to find your way. And to be empowered to go on that journey, I, I believe, is not only beautiful, it's 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 necessary. And I, yeah. I give similar counsel to my kids. It's like, don't try and do it all alone in this hero mentality that we have. You know, it's like we have to support one another within family, within community. So beautiful story. So thank you.
1: Thank you. And thanks for giving me the the platform to be able to talk about that.
0: Well, of course. And, you know, now you're in graduate school and you're looking to do this work whatever this work is and without unpacking each and every experience that you've had you have been in tech you have been in retail and you have been in charge of forming teams and taking teams to the next level so what did that journey look like if we go back to when you first entered the field after grad school assuming that was a straight line from grad school into the first role i mean what challenges were you facing then visa v you
1: know what we're facing now, yeah, that's a great question and i think um I think a lot of people would um who's been in it for for that long could kind of relate to that that experience is at the beginning, it was mostly about transparency um h r had data um and they used data um but how it um, how it was used. started becoming a little bit different. Um, how, what we tracked started becoming, uh, different than what we've seen before. Um, things went from counts to percentages from, um, just knowledge to, you know, what's been trending, um, what to watch out for, that sort of thing. And so the transparency kind of grew into many more different areas it became more um our hr stakeholders and leaders became much more curious about um things um it was also a time when like other other areas of the business like marketing technology um you know all those um, different parts of the business were were coming up with ways to quantify or more ways to quantify um their business and, and so it kind of felt, I think, for, for stakeholders and for, for leaders that they were kind of falling behind. And so they would hire folks who did other jobs. Like my first job, um, well, during, during grad school, I was also working for a, a consulting uh, firm who I did some data work as well. But like right after um, grad school, my first job was, was basically doing L&D type of work, uh, learning and development training, that sort of thing. But like half of my job was around like quantifying things around, um, within HR to create more of that, um, transparency into what have we been up to what's been going on? What is potentially the, the direction that we're heading in? So creating more robust dashboards and, and things like that. Um, from there, uh, the natural question is why, why is this happening? Why did this happen? And so after that, immediately after that, um, and this happens, especially when you're able to productionize and democratize like the basic things that that um, organizations should be looking at um, from a business perspective or, or a people perspective is, okay, I see that this is happening. What do I do about it? Or why wow. is it happening? Um, and so it just it went into kind of that that realm of of our our world. Um, and that's where we started looking a little bit deeper into s- certain data points like uh, turnover, what's causing turnover, what's predicting it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then from there, they ask, what can we do about it? Right? So that's later on in, in my trajectory is that's the natural f- it, 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 it was this beautiful journey. Between from the the simple things that we all need to understand, through these natural kind of um, uh, questions that evolve after each step, after that, mm-hmm. and it was and I call it beautiful because it felt it felt right every time we transitioned through those phases in in our maturity model of building up or excuse me of um, of building this capability in an, in an organization. Around the time when, at the beginning, when I started being asked, what can we do about it, is when um, I started saying, I can't do everything. Because it was mm-hmm. just me, um, in most cases, a couple of us sometimes. And I said, "I I can't do it all. I mean, those are great questions, but I have to focus on like this basic stuff that the board is asking for or, or whatever so then they said okay well build a team do you want to be a manager and that's
0: <laughs> <There you laughs> that's go. how
1: it it happened and then from there I just my career started growing from like okay tactical let's get the team together let's get these um, these projects going to more strategic around how do we how do we improve the state of the employee experience? How do we look forward to the future of, of work and how can we, you know, how can we anticipate those things and how can we build toward those things? Well, yeah,
0: I, you're getting me all excited because I, I want to talk about the future of work and I specifically the appetite and, and I say this compassionately, the quote unquote readiness of executives and other internal customers to consume the insight and take appropriate action. And because I see that still as a barrier today and something that you know, I'd love to get your take on you know in a little bit. But before we go there, you mentioned forming a team and many organizational leaders are thinking, all right, you know, the time is now this used to be a discipline that was largely exclusive to large enterprises because they had the financial capability yeah. to invest in teams and the like. However, there's a host of solutions now that are enabling uh, mid-sized companies to adopt uh, people analytics solutions. And they're getting this insight. And oftentimes they don't know what to do. And oftentimes they say, well, you know, I need somebody to. Curate this or build this or effect change here. And so, who do I hire? You know, what does a team look like? How do I prioritize the roles and so forth? So, when you thought about building teams,
1: what were you considering as high priority? Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It it starts with where the business is, um, for me at least. Um, My um, and I'm sure a, a lot of uh, leaders in people analytics. Um, this this is sort of their their brand is. Um, for me, it's it, it is about the business. I mean, if you're in a for-profit organization, you want to help the organization be be successful. And the way that I see it is that um, all these different kind of COEs um, or different domain areas of of data science and, and analytics are some way trying to um build the right products build the the right insights that uh are related to their domain area whether it's marketing or finance or whatever that positively impact the business and it's no different for for people analytics i think um i mean what are we here for right hmm. and so the generally what i first do when i come in is try to assess the the landscape and how are we currently contributing to that, um, and in many cases, I've been in most of the cases that I've been in. Most of um, the uh, new companies that I've come into, uh, people to your point earlier, People Analytics was a burgeoning thought. Um, you know, it was it was the beginning of it. They might have been doing some reporting, you know, that sort of thing, um, but it it wasn't in a kind of later advanced uh, state and many of the times when i come in um what i'm asked is like for some super interesting um valuable complex statistical insight right um they they usually have questions around like how do we get um turnover on, under control my first question is well do, do we know that there's a problem with with turnover what um can I see the challenge is um, what makes us think that we have a problem with, with turnover. And in many of those, those cases, we foundationally don't even have the, the knowledge or the ability to, to determine that. I mean, basic business intelligence or reporting. So is it's just either not there or, or whatever, and I've always been under the, um, it was it's always been my um, thought that, the mo- the the sim the most simple answer to a question is usually all that you need
0: hmm.
1: so if we don't have the ability to just understand where we're at let's start with that hmm. um and then let's work our way to the more complex stuff i'm not i'm not saying that we shouldn't ever like jump to those things um, there are lots of of cases where we can pepper in, you know when we want to get really you know interesting and like um, have those kind of like fun um, type of projects for our data scientists and, and things like that. Um, but if we're answering a question that we don't we don't even know if if it's actually a challenge or a problem, you know we're spending a lot of money on something that we may not need so i'm uh, i my uh, my style of building this is let's go just like i i went on a journey in my career from building the the simple transparent all the way to the um the the more kind of insightful sort of things that involve machine learning and things like that i try to do the same thing within an organization let's let's figure out what's missing, what can help the business now, and then let's build on top of that with all the other things that will get us even closer to evidence based employee experience um, impactful uh, um, uh, insights
0: yeah you know i'm I'm smiling, you know if you're listening to this, you're not seeing me smile, but I just love the fact that you ask you stay in curiosity and you co-create as what I'm hearing the most appropriate way forward. What I have seen those who are new to the field do is exactly what you identified, is that, hey, here's a cool project and I'm going to go do fancy algorithms and data science on this and I'm going to like get published and this is going to be awesome. And I will say... I'm talking about me earlier in my career where I was like, just, you know, give me data, give me a problem. And I'm just going to go chase it where now at this stage of my career and in working with the likes of you, it's like, Hey, for the sake of what, you know, what, what yeah. are we doing? How how do, you know, is this really a winnable dynamic and is it a top priority relative to all the other things that, you know, we can do? So, you know, I just want to highlight and
1: and certainly yeah. celebrate it. You know, one of the yeah, things I will, I I will relate that. to that. Um, so, the way that I relate to that is that early in my career, I wanted to do that stuff. I wanted to run a regression and 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 do all that stuff. Um, and it was always fun, and it was always useful. It absolutely was. Um, it's just just like you, um, and in learning and the experiences that I've had, um, sometimes it's it's e- it's easier and more impactful. To start with um, what's missing, the basic things that are missing. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, that's oftentimes not a heavy lift. And
0: it's not, you know, no. you know I, I don't like the term sexy necessarily, but we'll just use that for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> and because it, it, it's not something that's going to get you published or, or, you know, build your brand internally, yeah. but it is necessary. And yeah. so you, what I want to come back to, because you said this uh, at the outset, you said we. And I, and if I'm listening to you, I'm assuming you're talking about people analytics. And however, there is arguably overlap between people analytics, workforce planning, employee experience. Now the term talent intelligence yeah. has been introduced into the market. What is your feeling about we? And you know, what is the capability? What, you know, what are we doing? Delivering. I mean, actually, even before that, who is we? Like, who who are you talking about in terms of a data centric uh, data or data insight producing you know entity within HR?
1: Yeah, another great question. Um, And I I think Al, I think we need to revisit probably the the term that we use for this function that we now call people analytics. Amen. Um, because it's it's in my belief that um, and in my experience that people analytics is not one thing. Um, it's several different things. It's several different concepts um, related. Uh, but necessarily, I think they should be combined um, yeah. because they inform each other and they create this kind of holistic story for our um, stakeholders and decision makers and, and our companies. And so what I mean by that is, Given that we probably, I probably should use a different term for um, what I'm describing for now, people analytics, it, it's a bunch of different things. It, it, I think it is workforce planning. I, I think it is um, headcount planning, forecasting. I think it is surveys and, and, and this employee intelligence through uh, the employee voice. I think it is employee experience. Um, in fact, I think you and I had a conversation a long time ago, and I don't know if you remember this. And the concept of employee experience started kind of bubbling up and uh, you and I started, and I think somebody else was there, David Green or something like that, um, was there. And we started talking about like, where should that live? And um, I, was, I was mentioning, I think David also um, mentioned that it feels like I'm already doing that. It feels like I'm already trying to understand the employee experience and how to impact it um, those sorts of things but anyways employee experience um and what we might traditionally consider uh people analytics which is the 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 business intelligence work um in some cases reporting if if you have that in your um, function it's the um analytical and data science stuff it's the research Um, it's the consulting piece in in many cases i think it's It's different these days than it was before. Um, It is a bigger function. It's a bigger Mm. type of organization um, because all those components very directly inform Mm. uh, each other. I think one of the things that's that's missing, and I think I'm skipping ahead here and we can expand on this um, later uh, when we talk about it. But one of the things that I think is probably missing is this more formalization or normalization of conceptually what is people analytics within the HR strategy, and I think big companies probably figured that out. Hmm. Um, I think most of most companies are are still trying to understand like what that actually looks like and what is inclusive of people analytics and how does that work with the other components of of the business or or within. HR. Well, I love it. Let, let's
0: run with it. And because if I'm listening, I want to know more about that. Because if I'm a leader and I have like suboptimal processes and tech and data and insights, you know, I want to know, you know, how to improve. And for me, that highlights this notion of governance, which I am mm-hmm. like a broken record on this. Uh, can Same. I say, skip CD? It's like, you know, who's the insight for and what is the appropriate action because the actions are going to impact one another. So there has to be a systematic approach. So my point of question to you, as we are here in 2023 and we have so many technologies and more data and the speed in which this insight is being generated, uh, and even the quality of the insight, arguably, is far outstretching the Organizational capability to consume it and in turn take appropriate action. What do you think yeah. about that statement? And what is the role in governance in solving for that?
1: Yeah, uh, let me uh, yeah let me start with the first part. Um, I I think we deal with that a lot, uh, at least in you know in in what I'm having there, you know, in the previous companies that I've 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 been in is that um, insights and analytics can be easy and quick. It could also be slow um, and painful. Uh, it it really depends on your infrastructure. It depends on like your, um, you know what, if you have any vendors, you know anything like that. Like what what does uh, your um, your data look like? It's all those kind of uh, different components um, as well. Um, what I what I think is it it all comes back to like. Where are we going to make the business, big, biggest impact um, in the business? Where is the business now? What do what do they need now? Um, but let's say let's say we have the capability of moving quicker. Um, and let me know if I'm going off on like a, a town ta- a another tangent. No, not at all. Keep. L- let's say we're we're able to move quickly, and and in some cases, a little bit quicker than the business can kind of intake. What I'm a huge fan of is this concept of back pocket insights, and and what I mean by that is I think people analytics should be um, the need should be embedded programmatically in in HR, so that end to end from the beginning of a of a project or or a program or whatever to the end, we're involved to to be able to provide. Um, Helpful evidence-based directions, we can test things, help um, with those things, provide or identify or help identify KPIs, you know, co-create all those, all those pieces um, to make the make the project successful. The concept of when we're moving a little bit quicker and we have more than the, the business can can consume. Yeah, you know, at the moment, but in those projects, in those moments where we're kind of thrown into these new projects from the beginning we have a lot of insights where we can um, nimbly help provide direction based on something that we already, uh, we've already known for a a while. Hmm. Um, So I think there's a place for it. I I think moving too quickly could be problematic. I, but, but I think that, you know, a healthy amount of like staying ahead of what the business can consume is incredibly helpful for being proactive or even if it's not proactive it's on time when when the, the needs come up.
0: You, you know, thank you for sharing that. And I am thinking about a executive meeting called the HR leadership team or executive leadership team and you know they're getting uh, they're going through their quarterly business review and i've been a long advocate of a quarterly workforce review and plan which aligns with qbr process and you'll know, just bear with me for a second let's say that's you know happening and there's insight that they don't anticipate and it's just out of left field you mm. know wh- what is going to be the response of the people in the room There might be a level of irritation that might be dismissed because they don't understand it. However, if it's socialized beforehand and set the expectation that, hey, this insight, we're investigating this, you've deemed this a priority for us to look at, uh, whether it be diversity, equity, inclusion, whatever, the, the receptivity. Of that insight is going to be much higher than it would otherwise be. And if that if the people in that room are cross-function, if they're IT operations, HR finance, you know, on down the line, then the ability to align actions moving forward, in my view, would be heightened. So yeah. am I hearing you correctly uh, when you're talking about whether it be back pocket insights, is like really understanding your internal customer and involving them earlier rather than later?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, I, I would say that that's very well in line with what I was uh, describing. And just to add to that, um, you know, the the concept of bringing others along is so incredibly important, um, whether from like the larger kind of macro scale of the concept of, of people anal- analytics or just to your point, like the, the specific localized insights um, that might come out of, of left field. Um, part of, part of this job is to make sure that the, the insights, the answers to their pressing, challenging questions land well. Hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it seems like, and at least, you know, the, the younger Tony at the beginning of, of his career thought, well, this is just math. It's statistics. One plus one equals two. So, you know everybody should just believe that, you know, and, and we're done with it. I'm my job is done. Um, that's not really how it, it works. Uh, there's, there's this journey that you have to bring from, from the micro or, or from the macro perspective, there's a journey that that we need to bring our stakeholders on uh, no matter the level, I think um, to make sure it lands well, to make sure it's, it's actionable um, that, it helps with the uh, strategy or helps inform a uh, strategy. Um, it's harder to co-create or to, um, have our insights be, um, successful to have successful insights if the stakeholder is not there, hmm. um, or comes from left field. You know, those yeah. concepts that you're referring to.
0: Well, you know, thank you for sharing that because I could not agree more. And that's where, frankly, I'm spending a lot of my time right now is investigating that dynamic where, you know, we talk about evidence based decision making, like you said earlier. It's like, okay, here's the evidence. So the whole world should just follow in line because it's evidence, it's empirically <laughs> studied, it's that's what's going on. Uh, but that isn't how the world works, particularly when we're talking about social yeah. dynamics within organizations. And we can, investigate that for a long time. So we're going to have to come back to it, but I want to um, toggle a little bit to this notion of micro because we just alluded to governance and kind of, you talked about talent strategy earlier and how the insights inform talent strategy, and that's still significant runway to investigate and improve upon. But also our ability through these technologies to deliver insights at scale down to people managers and other key stakeholders is far beyond what it was 15, 20 years ago. So, you know, when you talk about socializing and creating an appetite for that insight through to a larger group,
1: what's your advice and experience there? um it's educating it's starting them with um the useful tidbits um and then grow grow from there i think um when uh, usually when it's the least successful it's it's because it's it's too much mm-hmm. um to the point that we were talking about earlier it just it it's not going to land or it's difficult Um, you know, those sorts of things, I think, um, education, I think, uh, training, I think, um, bringing people along on this, um, this journey with us is so important. Uh, but besides that, you know, having uh, the consulting kind of skill, this is true for almost any role, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially for, you know, the concept of, of people analytics or, or just kind of HR type of, of data, it's um, while it's been around for a while, uh, you know, almost 20 years, at least the modern uh, way that we look at uh, people analytics, it's still newer than other areas. Right. Right. And we, we have to make sure that we, um, we remember that. And and help our stakeholders kind of along on on that journey. I've done a lot of other things too um, to help others on this this journey. And and one of them is um, how do we more simplify what we're trying to convey on these these tools? Um, even even the simplest things in a in a tool. What makes it hard is what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Right right. And what I've done in the past, which is my favorite things to do in the past that I, I haven't been able to do everywhere I go. Um, but one of them is is like the the concept of like sending out random tweets of like insights. Mm. I mean, not real tweets, um, but like internal Slack messages that are very quick um, and relevant based on high level things that we discovered just by looking through the tools that are that are already open to to others um, because that gets people interested in trying to find their own little quick nimble uh insights from from that it's it's basically mentoring it's giving an example of what we what how or what you should be looking for
0: yeah i i Again, I'm smiling big because you know it's it's setting the table. It's like when we have the big aha, we haven't been heard from from a month or two. It's like it just doesn't work. And so, you know, how can we remain top of mind in a very appropriate, palpable way that helps them? Because one of the things I just want to highlight too is that there's many uh, structures of interpretation out there. Where okay, if I and I share this all the time when I speak publicly. What's the number one? Uh, reason people leave organizations and most everybody will mumble uh, you know, dissatisfaction with their media manager. And I'm like, you know, that research is 35 years old and you know, we don't know. In your organization, it's worth investigating because there's a bunch yeah. of factors that are influencing that. So you're know, trying to unhinge this legacy thinking to, and yeah. open minds to what's really happening so they can take appropriate action, I think is, is really important. And what I want to do to in the balance of our time, because I would be remiss if we didn't get to it. Sure. Uh, because this uh, this people analytics, workforce analytics, workforce planning, all this stuff can be esoteric and intimidating. And part of our challenge in this discipline forever has been simplifying it and making yeah. it consumable and, and actionable and, and all this. So now we have all these tools that, and we talk about predictive analytics, prescriptive analytics, AI, and what are your thoughts there? And I'm going to bias your answer a little bit, potentially, because there is kind of this thought that I see that okay, AI is going to solve you know uh, you know all this uh, these challenges that we have, and people aren't going to have to make as many decisions because the technology is going to take care of, of a lot of it. And I see it oftentimes being
1: more distracting than valuable what are your thoughts uh yeah I think it is I think I think it's exciting to see some of those things um, I mean very relevant for now I've been getting into the concept of the chat GPT it's it's really interesting um, certainly but it, it anyone listening try um, you know those those tools um, that are coming up and what you'll find is, they're helpful, but they're not ready. You know, I I, I think um, I think they're at a place where they are. You're right. I think they are at a place where they're a bit distracting. <sighs> um, they can support, but they I think are a long way from the point where um, they could replace. Many of the th- many of the, the the skills or functions that currently are are out there, um, I find that I have to correct things like Chat GPT quite a bit still. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that um, there's a lot of good tools out there, and the best tools um, out there that utilize AI, machine learning, those sorts of things are the ones that are. Realistically using the things that we know can be useful now and are more accurate than like just letting it go rampant or, you know, letting it do whatever it is that, that we want it to do. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I think as a field people analytics, I think there's um, we need a. I think we need to change. You know, there's as as tools get better, as AI gets better. I think that we just need to change the way that we do things or how we use uh, tools, the roles um, that that we hire for, that we need um, for these things. Um, I really like the concept of like some of the, the current tools that are out there. I usually call them like off the shelf type of uh, analytics tools uh, because they make our jobs a whole lot easier, um, but it does open up the need for a different type of analyst yeah, on, right. on the team uh, and help them be more confident, help the business be more confident um, and provide even more um, more help, more insights. Well, I, again,
0: I celebrate what you're sharing because I 100% agree, number one. And number two, as we fast forward in, you know, or move over time because you're right there are a lot of solutions that are out there that are delivering insight faster at more at a greater degree of scale and in more sustainable ethically responsible ways so there's a lot of the concerns I'm not going to say they're being alleviated because that would be way overstating it um, at the yeah. same time, the uh, ability to secure data has improved and continues to improve. Again, there's always going to be risk yeah. there. Uh, but the idea that, oh, you know, we're not there yet isn't really a good argument. It's really a leader decision on whether or not you proceed with one of these technologies. And then sure. if you do, you're going to need internal capability to actually sure. operationalize it. So my, my yeah. question now, when you talk about like new roles and based on what you shared earlier would you see people analytics evolving into a more consultative uh, facilitator role as opposed to data jockeys that are you know crunching data you know for
1: 8 10 12 hours a day i think to a degree um i i believe that we should build the capability and like hrbps and things like that to do some of that kind of like Ability to create um, the insights and be consultants themselves around, uh, around the data. I, um, I, I'm i big on, on productionizing and democratizing and um, creating the capability, creating like these junior analysts out there. I think, you know, um, we're just, as, as a team, we're not big enough to be able to do that um, on an individual basis. Um, and I don't think most companies are going to be able to do that. So building that capability even to a certain degree is is going to be really important. What I think is still kind of miss that will be missing is when we start getting into a lot of the kind of s- s- the insights that will inform strategic directions. Hmm. Um, those are those can be a little bit more um, just either complex or just more involved, if you wish, Um and and it's it's more about the macro than it is about these kind of localized needs that exist. So I I think it's a mix um really to to answer your question. Okay. Because
0: yeah, at the end of it yeah, I see the evolution of the space and when you and I entered it there was a lot of work that need to be done on data management. And many of Mm -hmm. of the work Mm -hmm. that we're doing, we're doing in Excel, we were access databases. We had, you know, know, it makes my heart stop thinking about it given where we are today. Uh, But a lot of that work is now automated. And so we do have the opportunity to focus on, you know, more kind of value-added activities such as, you know, change management. But I agree with you, there still has to be a working knowledge of what's happening with the data. We are never going to be able to write that off. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's our responsibility as employers to ensure that that is, is taking the place. But my, as we start to wrap up here, I have a a few more questions and then I want to get into some rapid fire questions because we talked about AI. We talked about, you know, the strategic stuff, which we can revisit and maybe a profile live episode or, you know, in in the future, because there's a lot to, um, involve or get yeah, interested in and, and get um, and unpack. i tried not to use that word, but I'll just, <laughs> I'll just use it. Uh, what I do want to talk about is the key theme that is not going to go away of diversity, equity, and inclusion and the role yeah. uh, analytics has in helping that. Cause it's such a challenge uh, when we talk about measuring their sensitivity, both legally and emotionally. So Yeah, as you tackle this problem in tech and you've been in retail as well, I mean, what's the room for innovation in that area? And is it something that
1: is still a priority for you personally, as well as uh, who you're working with currently? Absolutely is a priority, Um, continues to be, I think, um, and it will be, um, definitely continuing into, into the future. In terms of like the room for for innovation, yeah, there there is. I mean, th- I think what's missing from it is kind of where the general insights that that we create for out of people analytics for for businesses. I think that's kind of gotten to a very advanced point where mm-hmm. we are being very prescriptive um, with with our insights. Um, You should do this to impact this other thing. If you wanna increase your engagement by two notches, you do this other thing, sort of thing. Um, There are companies that do this for um, D and I, um, but I think think, uh, there's, broadly speaking, it's such an important topic that it could use more attention around Mm -hmm. Like, how can we specifically improve um, in many different areas within um, a business? One of the things that you mentioned before um, that was really interesting to me was the concept of like, you know, research that's been done like a long time ago. um, That might be that might be best practice. It might be something that someone learned, um, but it may not be right for for your own organization. It might be or it might be a tweak of it. Um, one of the things that I was, the, the one of the things that I really love about people analytics is that it it, it is basically a a type of function that can, that can um, validate whether those things are right for you, mm-hmm. and I think that um, there's so much of that, being able to kind of customize, how can we improve inclusion. Um, take the research that, that that's out there, understand how it relates to our own companies, and find the the evidence that points us in the directions that will that will facilitate it for for us. Um, because it's not the same wherever we go, mm-hmm. the situations aren't the same. Like how someone is not being included um, could be different wherever we where we wherever we go. And I think it's a missed opportunity if we don't have a function internally that can validate those things internally and help our uh, DNI partners focus our efforts to being um, a, a you know a much better company.
0: Yeah, and so what I'm hearing is people analytics is essential, and they need to be working very closely with their DNI yes. partners to to not only great insight into what's happening currently, but also the measure and monitor programs moving forward. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. So uh, Tony, I could talk to you all day, man. I just love how you show up and what you've done. And so you ready for some rapid fire questions? It's actually a good segue from what you just shared.
1: All right. I'm nervous. You you ready? All right, you should
0: be. (laughs) So what are your hopes for the discipline of people analytics in the next
1: two or three years? Oh, that's a good one. Rapid fire. Um, I think seeing it uh, more integrated into kind of the, the, the common broader HR uh, strategy. I think I mentioned it offhand before um, that I think the big companies, uh, the ones with, with money, the ones that um, might look at things a little bit differently are, are probably doing it probably doing it well but i think more broadly the concept of hr if we can look at it from a different lens and look at how we integrate people analytics a little bit more embedded throughout i think that's one of the things that i kind of really envision look for and hoping for um so that we don't have to like keep building up that um that capability. Every time one a people analytics leader goes into a different company and yeah. tries to help embed that.
0: No, and thank you for calling that out because I hope that too. Because one of our challenges has been sustainability because uh, it's yeah. been largely person dependent, and we got to build something again, that's sustainable. So thank you for that. Um, The next one is who inspires you and particularly with your background in psychology and sociology, uh, you know, who, whether it be a podcaster, author or whomever, who is top of mind for you right now? And it can be one, two, three individuals, but who inspires you
1: to think more creatively about your work? Um, you know, is it a cop out to say it's my wife, um, an author, she's not like somebody famous or anything like that. Well, she should be honestly, <laughs> but my wife pushes me, um, hard to, to be better, to be more innovative, all those things. Um, and so that translates into everything else, uh, that, that I do, but, but beyond that, um. You know, believe it or not, it, it's not necessarily like the psychologists or the sociologists or, you know, any of those uh, folks, but it's more of the uh, philosophers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just being on the spot, I can't think of one, but like the the way that, you know, philosophy um, happens, it it's technically a very innovative process. It's like a very introspective and then that becomes like this new thought, new idea, new direction, new everything. And it's, it's unhindered mm-hmm. um, like science or when we do, um, when we write scientific articles and, and things like, it's always based on like, well, in the past we did this, you know, this happened uh, or, you know, uh, this is, this is enhancing on this other idea, that sort of thing. Um, and that's fun. I, I love um, looking at that. Um, uh, that stuff, but philosophy starts from somewhere else. Hmm. It starts somewhere internally and then becomes something potentially useful.
0: Well, Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, and you're highlighting the fact that we do have a noble discipline in that we are curating and harboring the insights into people's behavior and we need to hold ourselves to account, uh, and, you know, that is a philosophical question. We, you, for the sake of what? You know, what, what are we doing? So thank you for sharing that and, and, and yeah. calling that out. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a jump cognitively to the next question. Actually, okay. it might not be. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite genre of music? What, what do you
1: listen to? Ooh, I'm not sure if I should be embarrassed by this. But uh, growing up as a teenager in like the early mid 90s, I loved um ska, like the punk ska genre. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All good.
1: Um I back then it was also like the uh grunge like nirvana and stuff like that. But what I really liked was the kind of like happy sound of, of ska. Um did you drive a vespa then, with an overcoat? <laughs> What's that? Did you drive a Vespa with an overcoat and
0: like a I should have
1: Barbie <laughs> hat? <laughs> I should have. But but besides that, something that's probably much more relatable um, for for most of the population is um, I really loved like seventies rock, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, um, you know, Ramones, which uh, would be punk, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, no,
0: well, thank you. And the final question is, what do you and your family
1: do for fun? Ooh, um, we travel. Um, we go outside and, um, and like garden and, um, uh, try to build things, you know, things like that. Nice. Nice. And
0: so, yeah, as we wrap here, any uh, closing comments, ideas, suggestions for our listener?
1: You know, HR, uh, the future of work, um, all that stuff is, is so incredibly important. Um, and it's Always changing, especially the future of work. That's why it's called the future of work. Uh, you know, you're never going to be out of, of business, Al. With <laughs> on with, with that, um, and what what it what it really needs is like this openness hmm. to different ways of looking at things. How do we better support our employees? And so that openness um, is is I think a a, a tip that will help us in this field kind of in general in hr but certainly in people analytics and how it will support the future of work is the openness to look at things a little bit differently and to think about how can we better support
0: oh gosh i yeah i so embrace that And, and oftentimes being open like that is vulnerable it's a bit uncomfortable creating that space just to have that exploration, have those discussions. You know, it's oftentimes it's not prioritized, but I certainly celebrate that it has to be prioritized. Otherwise we're just going to go into the chaos, just, you know, not knowing really where we're heading. So, you know, Tony, thank you for sharing your personal stories, your ideas on, on the space. How can people learn more about you and what you're
1: up to? Uh, and thanks for the time, uh, really appreciated. Um, you can follow me in on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can message me through there. Um, All right. Add me as a friend. All right,
0: sir. Well, you have a great rest of the day. Super appreciate you again, and uh, look forward to talking soon. Be well. Thank you. All right. See you, Tony. Thank you for listening to this member-supported production by Pafal, People Analytics and Future of Work. To view or listen to more episodes, visit Pafal.net or follow us on your favorite social media channel or podcast player. Thanks again, and please continue to make great things happen.